I'm Julie. And this is a Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Yeah, and this is episode number 229. And I am fully decked out in pomo pink. And I've got uh, shoulder pads under my shirt. So I am definitely happening today. Yeah. And I have some bread pudding for us to both eat right after the podcast. <laughs> oh, that was so yesterday. <laughs> I know, all right? It's not, it's not in today. <laughs> oh, we're going to have tiramisu <laughs> and special iced tea now. Oh, delicious. Delicious. Yep. Bellwether is what we're going to talk about. Bellwether by Connie Willis. Um, yes. Yeah, Connie Willis. Um, we've talked mm-hmm. about Doomsday Book in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a... Um, I would say Doomsday Book is from her serious side, and yes. uh, this is definitely a comedy. Probably a romantic comedy is how I would, uh, yes. the genre I would put it in. Yes? Okay. Yes. Uh, well, and she does write either big serious books or smaller, usually smaller, mm-hmm. comic books. Yeah. And um, the comic book that most people tend to think of is To Say Nothing of the Dog, Hmm. which I like well enough, but surprisingly took me about four tries to get through. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And um, now I really like it, but I just had to keep trying. Whereas this book, which is my very favorite of hers, it is, as you say, romantic comedy. So it's light, funny, there's a strand of something Connie Willis is seriously saying underneath, but it's also not something that matters terribly much. I mean, you know, in the big scheme of life. And so I, I don't know. I just, at the time I chose this, I felt we were going to, as I said, at the end of the last episode, we were going to be talking about serious things. We just got done with two movies about AI Mm, just mm -hmm. before that read Genesis over three episodes. And, um, (laughs) I was like, let's do something fun. Now here we are in the middle of the coronavirus (laughs) pandemic where. You know what? Fun is good. Yeah. It's, um, chaos is all around us. And this book is actually about fads, pop culture, Chaos theory, science, the craziness that happens when people try to um, understand things, and especially management of offices. <laughs> and that all kind of comes together in a wonderful way in this book, but it's kind of what I'm living right now, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I do feel that way about that. Um, yeah, and, and it's it's it sort of fits in with... Um, ex machina in a way i mean it's a totally different kind of book but again you know there's a lot of science in it and chaos theory they're talking about chaos theory which was kind of a fad in the 90s <laughs> you know it, it was a popular thing to talk about in the 90s not that it's gone away as a as a theory but um but chaos theory is something uh, my dad and i read quite a bit about uh, my dad was very excited about chaos theory um because he saw, you know, evolution as a system, right? You know, my dad's an engineer mm. and stuff, and mm-hmm. and he's looking at evolution, and um, 
to him, I mean, it's not unlike this. He's like, you know, he was excited by chaos theory because it said that there were boundaries. And if there were boundaries, then it may have been directed, you know, and um, right. and he was, you know, so he was very excited about chaos theory. And in here, when we learn about what a bellwether is, um, that's even, you know, he would, he would be excited by that idea. That the fact that um, there needs to be something that that triggers that that everything follows, you know, um, you know that sheep that's just a little hungrier <laughs> or a little more intense right. in some way, and uh, but to think, okay, well, you know, a sheep is a sheep, but to think that in a you know when you're making a leaf, you know that there's something that triggers how they're all the same shape, yet there's a boundary there. Hmm. So. Um, but yeah, we, we talked quite a bit about that back in the 90s. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it was there was a, a book out by James, uh, what was his last name? Gleek, G-L-E-I-C-K, if I remember right. Okay. And he, um, it was just called Chaos. And it was a popular science book that, um, you know, mm. spurred a lot of uh, science fiction uh, books and things. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and I... What I know about chaos theory comes from this book. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are probably other things, but I read this book when it came out. I reread it periodically. Yeah. And um, I love it, as I've said, because for one thing, it is, to me, hilarious. It is so funny. I laughed out loud. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> there were several times, you know, like the non-smoking thing and how it kept coming up. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, oh, and the, all the management stuff, I just died. Yes. Because I'm in the midst of that. Uh, it just made me laugh so hard. Yeah. Well, yeah, the fact that in the office, the scientific institution that this uh, girl works in, that it's the name of management is management with capital M. There's no point in even naming them. Yeah, it's just management it, was ta was uh, talking and then gave us a look, you know? Oh, it was so funny. Um, yeah. it, it's like, um, <laughs> good morning, management said from the podium. He was wearing a polo shirt, Dockers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I was in a pleased <laughs> smile. I mean, it was just like, oh, my gosh. That yeah. That is so funny. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh well, so let me describe the book really briefly, if mm -hmm. I can. It, it, I don't think it sounds like much when I describe it, but basically, Sandra Foster is a scientist who, a, a sociologist, really, and she's working at a scientific institution of some sort that fosters scientists and their experiments. And so um, she's studying fads. So the fad she's studying is hair bobbing because it has no easily identifiable source. Hmm. And she wants to see what is it that makes people suddenly all want to solve the Rubik's Cube, all do the hula hoop, all, you know, bob their hair yeah, in her case. Yeah. And so she's studying that and she's greatly hindered by <laughs> In everyday life, by all the things she comes across that are either fad related, and she's like, But this fad, I liked that iced tea, but now the fad's for coffee and I can't get iced tea anywhere. And she'd go to the library, and you know, the fad for inefficiency means that she's running into these young people who don't know how to do anything, but they're all very self righteous about it and oh lecturing gosh. her about her life. Mm -hmm. And the main one who's doing this kind of thing is named Flip, and she's the office assistant who is supremely incompetent and supremely self-righteous 
and also really um, like trendy in a way that still actually kind of works for me. The stuff she's doing with the duct tape, uh-huh. the little tattoos she's making for herself out of them. And, um, and in the midst of all this, just this woman living her life, which is somehow entertainingly described, right? Mm-hmm. She winds up accidentally meeting another one of the scientists who she's fascinated by because he's so anti-fad. Yeah, due to Flip's incompetence, by the way. Yes. That's how this happens, right? <laughs> Flip mm-hmm. gives her the wrong mm-hmm. package, so she takes it down to the right place, and that person's not there, so she has to leave it with this guy, Bennett. Mm-hmm. And um, she he is studying... Um, group behavior, monkey group behavior. And so she wants to keep look, talking to him because he's so determinedly, everything he wears is not fitting in with any trend. <laughs> he doesn't care about what people think. And it's not in a defiant way, which would be trendy, right? So Yeah, it's almost um, like she's he's, he's anti-fad, right? Yes. I mean, without trying to be, he's just somehow not plugged in at all to any of right. that. Yeah. Right, right. And so, in the middle of this uh, comes the announcement that a specific kind of scientific grant is going to come up again this year. It's a very random thing. No one knows why it's (laughs) awarded. No one even knows when it's going to happen. Sometimes it can happen for three years in a row and then it won't happen for a while. (laughs) And management gets very interested in this because it would be very prestigious and it's a lot of money and all that kind of thing. So, everybody has to redo all their funding stuff. And... um, they they wind up through administrative mess ups. Thank you, Flip. Working mm. together to try to save uh, each other's experiments. Oh, too and fun. Yeah. in the process of all this is, as you said, it's a romantic comedy. It's also, in a way, um, it's kind of like a fairy tale. How so? And I I'll describe that later. Um, okay. Because I don't want to give away the 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 spoiler. Okay. Sounds good. Because there's a bit of a surprise in it. But so basically, you're looking at chaos theory, you're, because this is the life she's living, which is extremely chaotic. You're looking at um, group behavior, because that's fads. And mm. her life, which she's a very likable person, and the frustration she feels are all really close to the things we feel. Yeah. yeah. What else would you say? Well, the um, as you're describing it, I'm realizing that um, how it's structured is this pattern it's kind of a chaotic thing too. It's like she's studying fads, but at the same time she's a hundred percent influenced by them, and you know, noticing the other guy who's not, and then you have Flip who's doing things, and management who is reacting to their fads because that's something that uh, happens in business all the time is whatever the latest thing is mm-hmm. we got to get tony robbins in here we gotta <laughs> we gotta get um you know Brene brown um there's there's yes there's these you know different things that you know become really popular and uh management jumps on all that stuff and i just love the idea of management with them but it's almost like it's the pattern there's a large pattern and a small pattern and a smaller pattern and it's all the same pattern and that's chaos theory, right? That's <laughs> part of well, it. Is she structured yeah. the whole thing that way? And it's so cool, and, right? Because what you're describing is for the each chapter is set up so that she describes a fad, a different fad at the beginning, modern and old ones, mm. and those are fascinating. Yeah. But for several of the chapters, 
she begins by talking in different ways about rivers, how they're the collection basin for all the little tributaries that turn into the huge river. And we can see the river, but we can't see the maybe thousand tiny tributaries that all those droplets collect into something we can see. And when she's talking about this, she's talking at first about fads. Mm. Then she winds mm. up talking, applying it to scientific study. Yeah. And really, as you're describing what you think of the book, I'm realizing this book is written that way. We have all these tiny trickles of things that are happening that are woven together very entertainingly for us to see. But they all wind up being the big river that at the end of the book, we see the point and the purpose and the river that all these trickles have produced. Yeah, yeah. And I I also love how, as she's talking about science several times throughout it, one of the things that she was dwelling on is how random it seems. It's like, you can't tell someone, go make a big discovery. Mm -hmm. It seems to happen by accident over and over. Meaning they're 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 said they're they're working on science, right? And then mm-hmm. suddenly, someone from another discipline may come in, or you know they're, they're describing how um, oh, like I'm trying to think of some of her examples, but but it, it took two people, right? Because you needed oh, yeah. the you need the influence of another person because this person's on this path, and then someone comes and disturbs the path. And then suddenly, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I see something now, you know, Eureka. <laughs> yeah, and, or it's uh, the open window right. when you're gone on vacation and spores come in and penicillin right. is in that one of them. And it's, example, yeah. it, she kept bringing that back, Fleming. Right. Uh, she mentioned that one several times. Of He had to notice it. Right, right. The accidents had to happen first because he had his mind on going on vacation. Yeah. He left the windows ajar. Right. And then another piece of it is like a tiny, tiny change today turns into a huge thing later. And um, an example of that was Churchill, right? the, the, The fact that Churchill's life was saved when he was young Mm -hmm. and what that turned into. Um, Right. You know, so, you know, I I marvel at that every time I'm looking at history. You know, I I read like a presidential biography or something like that. And I'm like, these are just people making decisions. You know, it it strikes me. It it can be a little unsettling where it's just this guy that we elected as president, (laughs) you know, in 19, you know, let's say 1983 or whatever, the, the yeah. person who's president Reagan decides something and suddenly, I mean, the, the dominoes that fall, um, mm-hmm. just amazing. It's just amazing how fragile it really is. Um, we like to yeah. think that everything's like controlled. <laughs> well, and the thing too not. is that we're all doing the best we can. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone in this book, however misguided or in the case of Alicia Turnbull, are very annoying, Hmm. or Flip even, very annoying. They all have their own goals that they are single-mindedly set on, and they can't see outside of what they're doing. From outside, it doesn't make any sense until suddenly Sandra would go, oh, she's interested in the Niebnitz grants. Hmm. Okay, that's why she's asking me all these questions. Right. Until then, it seems like gibberish, or Flip, with all her things where it's like, oh, 
that's why she's been so angry at me <laughs> and talking about the wanted ads and everything. Yeah, right. Because Flip doesn't understand also what Sandra's been interested in. Because she's not thinking of anything outside of just what she wants. She's a little hungrier, a little faster. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. Um, we're kind of all over the place, which is perfect for this book. But I guess <laughs> this is, uh, I want to talk about some things that would be a spoiler. Okay. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's it's very fun. It's a quick read. It's not a huge book. Um, yeah. Yeah. Give, and give it a, the it's a audio book is really good, too. Yeah. Right. Kate Redding read it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thumbs up on that. Yep. Connie Willis is a good one to listen to on audio and on all her books. Really, she's mm-hmm. got a she's got a style that lends itself to good audio. I think. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. I think so. <laughs> yeah. Now you make me think. I I want to listen to um, to say nothing of the dog. Oh yeah. Which I haven't done. I've right. just read it. I'm trying to remember who did that one. Um. But yeah, yeah, three men in a boat. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's funny. That's another thing that uh, Connie Willis does often. Um, this one she mentions Robert Browning's Pippa Passes, yes. and uh, in in to say nothing of the dog that that comes from um, Three Men in a Boat. Yes, right. Which By I forgot who wrote that. Jerome K. Jerome. That's right. Yeah. 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 Which is kind of uh, like P.G. Woodhouse inspired nonsense. Mm. You just kind of laugh at it. Yeah. <laughs> you bet. Um, and the other thing that gets mentioned in this is the fairy tale Toads and Diamonds. Yeah. And I don't know if mm-hmm. you've ever read that fairy tale. No, I have not. No. Okay. Well, and I have a book that had it, or used to. I can see the illustrations. That's how much I liked <laughs> this book when I was a kid. But um, it's about... Sandra is also anti-fad in that instead of giving some version of Barbie, like what was it, romantic wedding Barbie, that all the little girls want you can't find at some friend's kid's birthday party, she gives a fairy tale. And um, she found a hardback copy of Toads and Diamonds, which I'd loved as a kid. It had a fairy in it, which and fairies were fads at the time this book was being written, and I remember that. It was very annoying. <laughs> but not like those in Fairies, Fairies, etc., with lavender wings and bluebells for hats. It was about a girl who helps an ugly old woman who turns out to be a good fairy in disguise. Inner values versus shallow appearances. My kind of moral. Hmm. Well, let me think, what's the book about? What happens? An ugly old woman who smokes a lot, mm. who's a good fairy in disguise <laughs> and rewards the people who have pure hearts and care more about the person than the other thing that everyone's judging them on, which is the smoking. Right, right. So, sure. and yeah. <laughs> a handsome prince in disguise. Mm-hmm. When Sandra realizes that, um, holy crap, I thought I was interested in Bennett because he was so anti-fad, which I think is what caught her attention at first. Mm-hmm. But she was fooling herself. She was romantically interested in him. Right. So yeah. So in that sense, it's also a fairy tale. Interesting. She's given an impossible task. Wow. How to figure out mm-hmm. where fads came from, how to wrangle these sheep. You mm. know, she's working against impossible odds, kind of like spinning straw into gold kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's neat. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, so in that sense, it's also a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Cheryl is a fairy godmother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. 
Yeah. I did like that because that you also got brought. You do know she smokes, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, they won't even let her smoke in the building, but oh, she can gosh. stand on the porch out of the wind and they'll leave the door open so some oh, heat will come just, out and then they get yelled at for that. Oh, I absolutely loved how... You know, there'd be these things that like a memo coming down from management about smoking. You know, it's just, oh, it's just, it was so funny um, how she well, would do yeah, that. You know? Yeah, it's the stuff that, um, and this is where she talks about aversion fads. And I went, oh my gosh, I never thought of bigotry as a kind of a fad. I highlighted that. I thought that was something. Yeah. Yeah. She says, uh, bigotry is one of the oldest and ugliest of trends, so persistent that it only counts as a fad because the target keeps changing. And then Huguenots, Koreans, homosexuals, uh, Muslims, Tutsis, Jews, Quakers, wolves, <laughs> Serbs, Serbs, Salem, Salem housewives. housewives. Right. <laughs> Nearly every group, so long as it's small and different, has had a turn. And the pattern never changes. Disapproval, isolation, demonization, persecution. And then she says, which is one of the reasons it'd be nice to find a switch that turns fads on because I'd like to turn that one off for good, she said. And um, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because a lot of the fads are the things where it's, you know, the big shoulder pads or the pomo pink, as you're mm-hmm. talking about, you know. Um, but these are fads that show it matters more than what you're given to eat or what kind of restaurants are out there. Mm-hmm. You know, as everybody kind of wrangles around behind the thing that they like. And when you think about it, of course, the smoking thing might not have been as big a deal, but Flip is outraged. Mm. And she's more outraged than everyone else. So she keeps bringing it up and pointing it out. And pretty soon everybody's talking about it. That's such a good point. Right. And this is where we see her being the bellwether that starts fads without realizing it. Yeah. Which I thought was really an important point because it's when that uh, Bennett can't get his sheep and he has to work with monkeys. <laughs> I'm sorry, other way around. Can't get right. his monkeys and has to work with sheep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that he, um, they suddenly go, how do we even control the sheep? How do they even learn anything? Why don't they just die because they're so stupid? And they, Sheryl says, oh, we need a bellwether. They're a little faster, a little hungrier, and they don't even know they're leading. Wow. So, I don't so think you're, she... You're suddenly making okay. me think uh, what, what's just leapt to my mind is sin, right? You know, people, oh, yeah. people talk about how, you know, when you sin, you're not affecting just you. You're affecting... Somehow oh, it permeates, right? That's good. Somehow it does. <laughs> uh, because the, the, as you were describing that, I was thinking about church. And I know mm. uh, some people at church who are very negative folks mm. and uh, will just, just like just tap, 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 you know, on this thing that they don't like. And then, yeah. you know, it, it's like, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, I guess is mm-hmm. the same thing. And it's just like, you know, uh, so you can, so, so the creation of an aversion fad um, by that type of person is sort of a negative thing, right? Where you're oh yeah, absolutely right. So the person with the negativity is being a bellwether, but then there are other people that are positive that mm-hmm. are bellwethers for good, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, then that then that turned into me thinking about sin and how um, when the sinning makes you act differently, even if it's subtle. Mm-hmm. And um, how that can permeate because of 
the things that you're doing or not doing as a, uh, because of how you are feeling inside, uh, perhaps a little guilty, perhaps uh, feeling a little negative, um, mm-hmm. and how that kind of permeates out into a group, right? And then you're getting reinforcement. Right, right. Yeah, it's, um, I know I kind of summed it up, but let me just read this paragraph. Because what mm-hmm. happens is, is they don't understand the sheep, but Cheryl says she grew up on a sheep ranch. And so she understands, she, she said, you need a bellwether. And they said, why do you think they follow the sheep? Because there's always one sheep and no one can ever tell who it is. And she says, if you don't mark it, you'll never be able to find it again. And, of course, they haven't marked it because it just got dumped off while nobody was there because that's part more of the chaos. So they're having to find the look at tapes of mm-hmm. what's going on in current time to mm-hmm. find which one was always there a little faster. And so she says, I think a bellwether's the same as any other sheep, only more so. A little hungrier, a little faster, a little greedier. It wants to get to the feed first, to shelter, to a mate. So it's always out there in front. She stopped to take a drag on her cigarette. Not a lot. If it was a long way in front, the flock would have to strike out on their own to follow, and that would mean thinking for themselves just a little bit, so Mm. they don't even know they're being led. And the bellwether doesn't know it's leading, because everyone wants to be part of the flock. Right, right. And that's when you stop and go, huh, that's a sheep-like quality that we have. Of course, not fully expressed in the way a flock of sheep does it, but you know, it's that same thing mm-hmm. as a community, as you point out, as a community. Yeah, as a community, and and I think that that's why, um, you know, people like the 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 people I've described that are that complain too often are are leaving the herd too far, and the herd doesn't follow, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? right. So they become kind of separated mm-hmm. after time. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. It's cool what, mm-hmm. you know, how you think about it. But yeah, so then the, this bellwether, um, it was interesting then for uh, Bennett to, um, that triggered his discovery too. Mm-hmm. Right? And his discovery, well, I'm looking at these chaotic systems and, and um, so, you know, the, it, it expanded. In fact, I think I have it marked. Um where, let's see, uh, this is near the end, right? Well, well, that's the thing he said, leaning across the table and finally taking my hand. <laughs> I had this idea. You know how I told you that chaotic systems could be predicted by measuring all the variables and calculating the iteration? And she's totally in love with him now because he said that, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, well, <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I think Verhost was right after all. There's another factor at work. But it's not an outside factor. It's something already in the system. Remember how Cheryl said the bellwether was the same as the other sheep, only a little greedier, a little faster, a little ahead. What if, instead of butterflies, there's a bellwether in chaotic systems? And that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's such a neat idea. Yeah, it's the, is that the part where he says, and so it kind of forms a feedback loop? Yeah, yeah. It hits something that no one expected because it is chaotic, but it will then become repetitive. Right, right. Yep. Which would really work with your dad's idea of, or whoever's idea yeah. of evolution. 
Right. You know, the idea of the of evolution, if that's, it is a chaotic system, you know, so again, you know, like if you have a leaf, every time you grow a leaf, it has the shape of a leaf, but there's no two leaves that are the same. So there's this boundary condition around it, you know, which right, because if there that was a tree right. needs that kind of a leaf to support it. For exactly. One thing. So if there was some kind of a boundary around a evolutionary system, well, that implies that there was an object to it or a, an end that was inevitable. Right. Yeah, but it also implies that it's that thing from uh, Seven Glorious Days where it talks mm-hmm. about the open-ended system. Yeah. It allows things to come in from the top. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's uh, – I was thinking about, surprisingly, evolution just this morning because I listened <laughs> – I don't know. That's I don't awesome. usually, but um, I'm yeah. like everyone else, I suppose. But anyway, mm-hmm. they uh, – on Bird Note, the little podcast I listened to, uh, I was listening to an episode about webbed feet. Mm-hmm. And it was talking about how wonderfully webbed feet work, and you know, um, you know, they push against it and it opens up, and then when they pull their foot back, the toes go together, and so there's less drag, and they can do all these different things. And here are all the different birds that evolved in different places, like penguins and ducks and gulls, and they all have these webbed feet because they're all in dealing with water. And I started thinking about evolution and how inevitable that sort of a foot was going to be for a lot of birds that live around the water. But I was thinking, what is it that triggers that initial different foot? Mm. You know, and that's the thing where it's the chaotic system of, you know, this bird has this kind of a foot, so it can be a little faster, a little smarter, a little quicker, have more chicks. Mm-hmm. you know kind of thing yeah and that's the other thing that Giberson taught us too it's it's the procreation that is the thing mm-hmm. you know I, I still love that in fact I was talking just the other day about it how you know you, you move from the red and tooth and claw and everybody destroying each other and whoever wins wins to the mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. of this cooperative um, who procreates um, that's really the thing and that becomes you know, what well, love is running the system. Yeah. And so, that's what we see in this book. Right. Agreed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because, because the people who win are Sandra and Bennett and they win because they find each other. Right. They can also work on their scientific project, but what makes mm-hmm. their life worth living and makes the book worth it is the fact that they have fallen in love. Right. And mm-hmm. that's what's driving flip. She's fallen in love with, of all people, a dentist. <laughs> it's like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, and she keeps doing more and more outrageous things to herself, thinking that this dentist will like it. Well, she doesn't even know what a. It sounds like this dentist who we never meet is uh-huh. just the fact that he's described as a dentist. You know, he's not like Flip. Right, right. You can't be like that and be have a job like a dentist. <laughs> So she's going after some really normal suburban type guy by cutting her hair short and dyeing it bright blue (laughs) and then shaving it off and then putting duct tape on herself. And then, you know, but while she's doing that, Mm -hmm. because she's trying to achieve this one goal, she's influencing everyone around her so that pretty soon Sandra is seeing people with the little duct tape eyes on their heads and that kind of thing. (laughs) They don't know why, but they thought it looked pretty cool. 
Oh, Why not? I, I remember one scene where someone had to cut off a piece of their hair because the duct yeah. tape wouldn't come out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Too funny. Well, the minute they said she was doing a wrap on someone's hair with duct tape, I was like, oh, that's going to have to be shaved off. Yeah. Yeah, there's no way that's uh, going out. Yeah. So she would, you know, Connie Willis would just trickle this stuff in. You know, duct tape is probably said, you know, there's probably a hundred duct tape things in here, it seems. <laughs> yeah. But it was just like, it just come out of nowhere, this duct tape, you know. And, and there was, she moved the roll of duct tape to reach the... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just things like that. And then uh, the smoking yeah. thing as well. Just so yeah. funny. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, and then there's all the things that we can relate to because they're part of our own lives in that sense of... You know, your favorite restaurant goes out of business. Oh, yeah. Or the yeah. thing that you love that this place made, the oh. chef has changed and it's not oh, good we anymore. Had that, you know, just before all this stuff came down, we we used to go um, to this restaurant that had these things called Goffret chips. I have no huh. idea if I'm saying that right. Yeah. But they made these 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 uh, potato chips in, in-house and you'd have them with this blue cheese kind of a dip. Sounds wonderful. It was so good. And then we got there and we were all like, oh boy, can't wait. It was an appetizer. Can't uh-huh. wait. We're going to order that first. And boom, not on the menu. They changed oh. the menu. And it was like, what? Why did you take <laughs> off the most popular thing? <laughs> well, we were tired of making it. No, but we weren't tired of eating it. <laughs> it, made me, it made me wonder, you know, are we the people that liked it and, and other people didn't? <laughs> you know, because you always think, you know, well, the restaurant is doing it by popularity, but... Um, maybe they're not. Maybe it is just like, yeah. you know, yeah, we're just uh, moving on to a new menu. Yeah. No yeah. one eats that. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. No one and, drinks and, that anymore. And she had the extreme version of that where she, uh, the, the main character here, Sandra, she goes into a restaurant and wants iced tea. But iced tea is no longer on the menu. It's full of lattes. I mean, there's coffee <laughs> drinks, you know, 100 coffee drinks. And then later right. in the book, she goes to a place, and there's not even coffee drinks now. There's there's smart drinks. Oh, I suggest energy a smart drinks. Drink. Smart drinks. That's <laughs> and it. It's so it's funny. Like... I mean, I highlighted that because I mean, smart drink. There, there are people like you know buying these cans of, you know, I see them at work and everything. You know, these energy drinks in giant cans. Um, you know, they're they're called smart drinks. So I I I, I don't know if they were called that in the '90s, but. You know, the idea that you have a thing called a smart drink and people are like, yeah, I got to get that. Yeah, you know, exactly. Well, and I loved the thing where um, she's got this guy named Billy Ray. Mm -hmm. He's a very nice guy and she likes him well enough. So he'll be in town. He's a rancher from Colorado or Utah, somewhere out west. Mm -hmm. And um, he'll be in town and he'll take her out somewhere. And he always picks somewhere that's really trendy and he's always calling her from his cell phone and he's got fax machines. Well, in the 90s, this would have made yeah. him like cutting edge technology, right? Right. And, but he's a rancher. But what he's doing, he's as interested in trendy stuff as anybody else, even though you wouldn't think a rancher would be. Because he's got his Targis. And then he's got his ostriches. And then he's got his – so he's following all the trends, but in a completely different way. And he takes her to some restaurant and it's got like maybe prairie cuisine. And she goes, funny, I didn't think basil was big on the prairie or whatever. And then um, bread pudding is one of the desserts. Uh And he's like, oh, I hate bread pudding. Well, the next time they go out, he gets the bread pudding and he goes, she goes, I thought you didn't like it. And he goes, I love it. Everyone loves bread pudding. 
you know. <laughs> right. Too so, good. Yeah. Yeah, it's all oh, that man. stuff of yeah. um he's not paying attention because no one's paying attention. They're suddenly mm. introduced to this new thing and I've lived long enough to see this happen to where I'm going, "Oh yeah, so you know, crepes were a thing in the was it the 80s or maybe it must have been the late 70s." Because I remember I had a friend whose boyfriend for Valentine's Day took her to a crepe place and everybody, the magic pan, Mm -hmm. everybody was very impressed. (laughs) And um, Mm -hmm. then relatively recently, maybe within the last 10 years, crepes were a thing again. Well, everybody my daughter's age was acting like they'd never heard of such a thing because I didn't bother making crepes at home. I don't care about them that much. Mm -hmm. And um and I was like, oh, yeah, here they are again. And they went, what? I said, oh, this was the big thing in the 70s. <laughs> you know, and you get yeah. old enough, you start to see these trends coming back. There's also all these new trends that you don't know until you're told about them. Right. Because you're out of the loop. But <laughs> you just go, yeah. oh, we're all dressed in like the 70s now. Wow, I hated those clothes. They were super ugly. But okay. Yeah, I think that's what, you know, part of getting older, you know, it has been for me is that you're not connected in any of that stuff and you start to not recognize things. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> What's that duct tape what eye on your forehead? That? What does that stand for? Yeah, for sure. It's an eye. It doesn't stand for anything. Yeah. Yeah. So they spend the rest of the book making up things. The eye stands for. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like itch. Oh my gosh. I love that. The words, do you ever feel completely itch? <laughs> And then the whole rest of the book, she uh-huh. go, oh, he was feeling itch. I could see it, you know. And I'm like, yeah. I know that. Yeah. Oh uh, shoot. What was the what was the word for? It was like swarmy or something. Swarb. Swarb. That's it. Yeah. Another favorite. <laughs> Completely uncool. Mm-hmm. Anti fad. Right. Don't like a. Yeah. 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 These were all flips words, of course. <laughs> but way to go, flip. They were handy. Mm-hmm. For sure. Oh, and Flip, you know, she 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 was definitely, you know, I, I love the idea that she was a bellwether, but um, even mm-hmm. even in things like um, when they were watching the sheep trying to find the bellwether, and oh then gosh. Flip would stand in front of the camera, <laughs> and she'd be in front yeah. of the camera for like ten minutes, and then yeah. she'd walk away, and they were like, "Oh, we damn, lost, we lost track of everything." <laughs> Well, or the oh. fact that she's standing there hanging over the fence asking them dumb questions and she's flipping the lock up and down and up yep. and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. She's done it so many times, the bellwether figures goes, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, and they all get out, which is one of my favorite bits is when there's a flock of sheep in the halls of high tech. Oh, too good. Which is the yep. company they work at, you know, and management's on his desk, like, get those sheep out of here. Management. <laughs> I still love that she just calls him management. Yeah. Oh, so good. And it's oh, Dockers. Yeah. Oh, I laugh. It's like Well, yeah, yeah, because he was trying to he was getting ready to fire her, I think, because mm-hmm. she let a non a smoker out near the corral <laughs> yeah, where the sheep were sick. and it was going to endanger the livestock. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It had gotten, you know, the whole smoking thing got mm-hmm. so far out of control. And then that was all part of it. It just kept coming back. You know, it'd be like yeah. a sign she'd see or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too good. Oh, Connie Wells is funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Just goodness. made me laugh so hard. Yeah. Um, 
one of this the things this book made me think about though is um fighting the system in little ways mm. and i think do you have things you do that are like that like she would go the library had she found out the library had this policy that if a book hadn't been checked out maybe in a year which is oh, an insanely yeah. short time they would get rid of it so mm-hmm. the classics were being gotten rid of cuz no one was reading it but you had I think at the time, the Bridges of Madison County or something, they had 50 copies of it. Oh, yeah. So she made a policy of going and checking out books so that the library would have to keep them. And I read, I swear, I think it was Joe Walton's review, but it might have been just someone else on Goodreads who said, I love this book immediately when I read that because my library is the same and I do the same thing. (laughs) Well, I have done that. Um, We had a, a small library really close to me. And uh, there's a little bit of history there, but they were uh, there wasn't a lot of books in this library, and then they changed uh, directors, and then mm-hmm. uh, now they're buying books again. And oh, some nice. of the books that this person was buying were uh, like classic science fiction and stuff, and and I felt Ooh. like I've got to support that. <laughs> so even <laughs> yeah. though I had this book at home, I would check them out. Because I okay. wanted it to have circulation, right? Okay. I'd bring it home for a week and then bring it back, you know, um, just so that he knew somebody was appreciative. Someone cares. <laughs> we'll see. This I felt silly, you... and now here it is. It's like, oh, this is things people do. So I'm not alone. No, yeah. no, and it's and it's the stuff where you're you're kind of going, but my voice matters too, and it's you'll never be heard. Mm-hmm. On a high level, or it's not worth it to you, right? To right. do something a lot, you know, you've only got so much time and effort you have to put it into what matters. But there are the little things that you do, yeah, that yeah. either support or state your way of living or right. thinking. Yeah, true. Yeah, 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 and then fighting the system, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, somebody set up the system and. You know, because they think that you know everything needs to work the same or something like that, or trying to manage the system in some way, and it has negative effects on some. Right? Mm-hmm. Everything doesn't fit. So, um, yeah, you're always yeah. going to get stuff like that where you're you're trying to exist in the confines of the system <laughs> that's yes. been imposed. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Man. In all kinds of aspects of life. <laughs> I think we're living in that in a big way right now. We sure are. And some of it's ridiculous. You know, when, that's the hard thing. When you, when you see something ridiculous and you're just like, really? I think you're I, being subjected to that on a high level because uh-huh. most of it, we three working people in this house worked at home. Uh-huh. And so we're suffering from things like, well, oh my goodness, Tom has got so much work right now because one of his clients is a charter school system yeah so he's busy posting code warnings and the new policies like every day they're changing it Mm. um and the galleria big mall big luxury mall near here he's doing that kind of thing for them too because they're like we're still here yeah we're gonna do this fun event online everybody so he's busy doing all this stuff me i might you know my my writing doesn't change but rose does editing of videos that are done for business well no one's going out and shooting new videos anymore Mm, yeah but we're not affected by other management generally i think we don't have management like you do (laughs) well i are management part of it 
Oh my gosh. You know, I'm wearing the dockers. I'm standing in front of the people (laughs) saying things. We can't smoke people. Are you making up acronyms? (laughs) First, we need to optimize potential. Then we need to facilitate empowerment. We need to implement visioning, strategize priorities, and augment core structures. (laughs) I feel like those are the key things I could live my life by. (laughs) That was, uh, I didn't make that up. That was quoted right from this book. She wrote that down. I mean, I, I love that because I've been there too, where you're in a meeting. And then uh, the management says, okay, I want everybody to write down five things that you can do to uh, get after this new uh, goal that we have. <laughs> and then uh, Sandra just like grabs the paper and writes. <laughs> she's well, in a little friend, group. But she her just, friend does it. Oh, her friend did it. Okay, She learns it from her friend who's a bellwether about uh, business stuff. Yes. She gives all the business Oh, it was stuff. too good. And she yeah. just writes it down immediately, and that's what she wrote. Optimize potential, facilitate empowerment, implement visioning, strategize priorities, and augment core structures. It's like, here, hand that Sandra in. says, what does that mean? And she goes, I have no idea, but I do it every time, and they love it. <laughs> they love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, too funny. Yeah. Yeah. Too, too funny. Yeah. But so true. And so Sandra starts then, doing it too. Yeah. And this idea of the Niebnitz grant uh, is great too. It's it's like management saying, um, hey, we're going to go after this grant, even though we don't really understand what it takes to get it. You know, this is. this is Yeah, no one does. Right. You know, and uh, so now let's get busy. You've got divergent thinking to do. Let's see <laughs> some significant scientific breakthroughs. management marched out (laughs) everyone sat there stunned except alicia turnbull who started taking rapid notes in her day book (laughs) and that's so true too oh it's oh yeah so good there's there's always someone like that right oh my gosh uh yeah too fun yeah it's so good you know don't they know science doesn't work like that you can't just order scientific breakthroughs they happen when you look at something you've been working on for years and suddenly see a connection you've never noticed before, which is what we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many examples of that. You know, just, uh, you know, having something you've been working on a long time and suddenly being able to see it in a new light. Yeah. You know, how do you create that? You just can't. Yeah, it just No, it has to come happens. to you. It I mean, comes, it has yeah. to be kind of... You have to be surprised into seeing things differently, I think, sometimes. Right. And sometimes, of course, research does work, but the big ideas, the direction, mm-hmm. all that stuff, um, it's just not preordained. Right, right. We can't see things. We can't see the big picture all the yeah. time. And a lot of the time. Yeah. And, and that, even you know, this, this whole research idea is, it's part of why, you know, um, people that, that think science is the thing. You know, and uh, religion is not compatible and all that stuff. One of the things, if this book kind of shows you a little bit of how science works in a practical way as, mm-hmm. as in a person's job, mm-hmm. you know, so you could spend your entire life working on fads and you've got to show results to keep your job, right? Yeah. So you, the, the, the system is leaning towards a way where you've got to prove results in order to keep food on the table. Therefore, you're going to have some bad results, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because people are motivated 
to not not say the truth, but to to say what they need to say in order to keep working. Yeah. Right. And and that is a a tough way to align those incentives. There's another word <laughs> from the old management <laughs> yes, thing. Yes, the incentives. In, in the old incentive alignment. <clears throat> but but that's the truth. So when you know, a new scientific study comes out or something and then everybody says, see, you know, uh, look at this. And now they're like living their lives by it. You know, that's as much a faith thing um, as faith in God. You know, you, you're having faith in a, in a system that is a human system, whether it's science or not. Well, especially you know. since there's been a decided lack of peer review lately. Yeah, you have, right. And that's what that's for. Experiments are repeatable and all right. that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. That's absolutely you know. right. And, and uh, yeah, it's just that the... I guess that's the problem when you get into funding with anything. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. it's not going to matter. You're going to get a Michelangelo, but he's still going to have to go... How big is the Vatican? How sh- you know? How long should it be? Mm-hmm. That kind of or St. Peter's or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and we were talking about that before we started recording. Is mm. you know, there's the original designer who's like, no, I'm not making it as big as you want. <laughs> he dies, and they immediately go, good. Now let's make it this big. <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> let's make it um, the way we want. Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's he'll stand up for himself, but it's essentially a lot of times the money that's influencing art Mm -hmm. um, or science or whatever. And you have to be able to gracefully survive, but keep your principles, but talk people into or do what the people want who are paying for it. Yeah. It's a little balancing act. It is a balancing act. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. uh, it can be soul crushing to have to do things that you feel are wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if they're wrong yeah. in a big enough way, then you really have a problem. Yeah. But if they're then, if they're wrong in a little way, that you're just like, this just isn't the right way to do this. And yet, <laughs> then you just you fill have to out do your twenty eight anyway. page uh, yeah. supplies request. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's tough. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we've all had that in work (laughs) throughout our whole lives. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's not going to stop. One of the other things about fads that I think um, gets pointed out, and this is in terms of the aversion fads, although they talk about so many other kinds of fads, uh, because hair bobbing is fairly, it's benign. It doesn't matter, really. Um, But in the smoking thing, the... um, Flip comes in and asks, if you had a fairy godmother, what would she look like? An old lady, I said, thinking of toads and diamonds or a bird or something ugly like a toad. Fairy godmothers disguise themselves so they can tell if you're deserving of help by whether you're nice to them. What do you need one for? And she's like, well, you're not supposed to ask me personal questions. (laughs) But if they're in disguise, how do you know who to be nice to? And she goes, well, you're (laughs) supposed to be nice in general. And then they get distracted for a second. And... um, (laughs) She says, uh, you don't think it's my assistant, do you? Flip said, she's an old lady, and it's Cheryl who smokes, right? Uh-huh, who Flip yeah. hates. I handed her back the petition. I doubt very much that Cheryl is your fairy godmother in disguise. Good, she said. There's no way I'm going to be nice to somebody who smokes. Uh, right. And it's like, missed the entire point. <laughs> but it's also that idea that of allowing people to have the right to be wrong. Yeah. 
yeah. which is a book I, you know, I've meant for us to read from the beginning 10 years ago. Uh-huh. Eventually we'll get there. But it's this idea that everyone won't live according to the standards that you have set up for them. And maybe those variations are acceptable anyway. God loves someone who smokes just as much as he loves someone who doesn't. Yeah. But Flip will never see that. Right, right. She's judging based not on God's idea, but on her own idea of what's moral. Yeah. So that idea behind the aversion fads is um, really applicable to how do we live our lives in terms of you were talking about the negative people and sin, Mm -hmm. which was a great idea too, but it's also the thinking of how do we overcome our own preconceptions to see where we're just kind of following along or not thinking or not applying, you know, what the church teaches or whatever in a way that, you know, is good for us and for them. Treating all visitors as Christ, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you should generally be nice to everybody. That's <laughs> good advice. <laughs> yes. yes. Really good advice. And so the point of the story is, mm-hmm. she's, I like that you're supposed to be nice in general, I said, and realized it was hopeless. I'm <laughs> <laughs> never going to. What's the petition for? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Too good. Yeah. Too good. Yeah. Uh, terrific book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, fun. I, th- mm-hmm. I think the other thing that this book makes you feel, and it makes you feel like it's okay, is that we're not in control of anything. Mm. Yeah, a lesson we're learning now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and so and that's to, so true, yeah. Yeah, you have to live as if you are. I mean, you have to go buy groceries, and you have to work and earn a living, and you have to do all these things. But in terms of the big, big world – we're not in control of this stuff. I'm not in control of what the government's telling me to do right now. I'm not in control of germs or tornadoes or mm. even the good stuff. When's it going to be a nice, warm, sunny day? Yeah. Or all kinds of other things. How people are going to act. Mm-hmm. We have control of only ourselves. And even then, I have limited control (laughs) i'm fighting with myself a lot of the time yeah that's a really good point yeah that this book shows that and and you're right it does Mm -hmm. yeah but it's not something i had thought about in this book but uh, absolutely it's there yeah and to be fair because a lot of times we're we think we understand but we're just confused Mm -hmm. yeah we we rarely have all the data (laughs) right right especially about another person we have no mm-hmm. idea what another person has been through. Right. What what led them to a decision that they just made that we think might be ludicrous. Yeah. You know, might still be a ludicrous decision, but um, we have no idea what got them there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Might not be a ludicrous decision. Might be just something that we think is because of where we're from, right? Yeah. Yep. Which is why, you know, you do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right, right. Yep. Right. You bet. So, what should I do with my coonskin cap? <laughs> <laughs> well, by now it's probably a collector's item. Oh, I love that. You know, um, I've got that in front of me here. It says, 
So coonskin caps, May 1955 through December 1955. (laughs) Very short one. And it it talked about having all these uh, these hats. And then it said the fad collapsed right before Christmas of 1955, leaving merchandisers with hundreds of unwanted caps. Yes. Those poor coons. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I never thought about those. I just figured they were fake. Yeah, maybe they were. Yeah, but Davy Crockett's was real. Yes, <laughs> although not the version probably that was on TV. Yeah. Angel food cake just... is a fad is one that I had never known it was a fad. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was it... really the thing for a while. Yeah. I've read a lot of cooking history. <laughs> <laughs> the secret um, of the cake is a dozen or 11 or 15 egg whites beaten into <sighs> stiff, glossy peaks. Difficult to bake. <laughs> the pan had to be ungreased, and no one could walk across the kitchen floor while it was baking. And also, then, it was cooked in a special pan. She didn't mention this, and uh-huh. she'd spent enough time on it. But it had, so on the, the what we would consider usually the top of the pan, it mm-hmm. had little um, bits of metal that would flip out and become little feet. Uh-huh. So that after you baked the pan, you would turn it upside down. So the cake wouldn't settle under its own weight. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, that so you would turn it upside down. It would rest on the feet so it could cool, and um, it would keep the cake would stay light and airy. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Just a, a bit of fad trivia. <laughs> so my fa- one of my favorite fads was the uh, Poulains. I think they're called the shoes with the long oh, the points. points on the uh-huh. end. Yeah. And they were brought back from the Middle East by crusaders, and they became the craze. So they got really elaborate. They got stuffed with moss and shaped into lion's claws or eagle's beaks. And pretty soon they were so long that you had to have gold and silver chains to attach to the ends. And then Mm -hmm. you would put those around your knees so they would hold the ends up so you could walk. And then they did it in armor, which I'm like, what a bunch of dummies. And so then their feet would get stuck and they would – they would have to cut off the points of their shoes with their swords or they'd get caught and they couldn't fight. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then it says, supplanted by the square-toed, ankle-strapped duck's bill shoe, which oh. promptly became ridiculously wide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, shoot. You just uh. look at that stuff and you go, oh, yeah. Because most things either died out, like the coonskin cap, where nobody, you know, it's your interest shifts. Yeah. Or it's like this, where she'll go, supplanted, of course, like for the angel's food cake, promptly <laughs> followed by devil's food cake, <laughs> which oh is a delicious uh, chocolate cake, as we all know. Wow. Yeah. And not airy at all. Not airy at all, right? No. <laughs> the opposite. Just wonderful. <laughs> Guess which one I like. <laughs> I liked the Dr. Spock one. Mm-hmm. Um, child care fad, 1945 to 65. Um, inspired by a pediatrician's book and uh, growing interest in psychology. And then uh, it says, Spock advocated a more permissive approach than previous child care books and advised flexibility in feeding schedules and attention to child development, advice which far too many parents misinterpreted as letting the child do whatever it wanted. And then it says, It died out when the first generation of Dr. Spock-raised children became teenagers grew their hair down to their shoulders, and began blowing up administration buildings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny. Uh, 
Yeah, the modern <laughs> ones I liked, um, and this will be my last one, but Flower Child Weddings. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. It says, rebellion fad made popular by people who didn't want to totally rebel against tradition and not get married at all. Mm-hmm. Performed in a meadow or on a mountaintop, the ceremony featured feelings played on a sitar and vows written by the participants with assistance from Khalil Gibran. <laughs> <laughs> the bride generally wore flowers in her hair and no shoes. The groom wore a peace symbol and sideburns, supplanted in the 70s by living together and lack of commitment. <laughs> uh-huh. We still got that one. We still have that one. Yep. Oh, oh goodness. my goodness. Yep. Wow. Too good. So I think I think even what Sandra would admit by the end is you can't escape fads, but you have to know what you're doing. Mm. You know, you can say, oh, yeah, I know everyone's doing it, but I like this too. Yeah, yeah. You just kind of, it's that, uh, you know, know thyself thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with a fad. No. There can be, you know, specific ones, but. (laughs) Right. But yeah, if you want to wear your hair that way, by all means. (laughs) (laughs) Go right ahead. Dye it blue. Go ahead and iron it. And this, this Pomo pink stuff that I'm wearing now. If I want to wear it, by gosh, I can wear it. <laughs> I, when everybody in Utah is wearing Pomo pink, I'm going to know where that came from, Scott. You were a little know. hungrier. You're going to know who faster. the bellwether is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do they call exactly. them now? Well, I don't even know. Uh, they, you know, these influencers on the internet. <laughs> oh. Are they really yeah. bellwethers or they just want to be? I think they're too obvious. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's like, you know. It's just the fact that that's a job or something a person can make money doing is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't talk about celebrities because she's not interested in something that's as high level as that. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, big leaders. That That's too obvious. She's interested in the shifts that nobody even notices they're doing until they look back and go, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because I had a pet rock. My grandparents gave me one. <laughs> I didn't do much with it, but I liked pet getting rock. it. I did have a Rubik's Cube. Ah, yeah. Us too. We, mm-hmm. you know, did what everyone did. We kind of tried it twice and then let it sit in a corner until <laughs> we threw it away. Oh, I, I was, I was the, the, the person who bought the book. Oh. And would learn how to do it. Could you do it? Not now. Oh, back then I could. Mm-hmm. But only because it's not something that I figured out. It was, you know, you, it was basically, mm-hmm. you know, reading a book and learning how to do it. Yeah. Have you seen the movie Pursuit of Happiness? Uh, no, I did haven't. Did we watch that movie? We didn't talk about that, have. did we? Will we Smith? should sometime, but yeah. yeah. Rubik's Cube is very important in that book. Mm, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or book, movie. Well, yeah, maybe right. in the book, too. Yeah. Um, but in the movie. Mm-hmm. I always, whenever I see Rubik's Cube now or hear of it, I think of that movie. Huh, cool. Mm-hmm. Nifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Okay. Definitely on the list. All right. All right. Well, that was fun. I enjoyed that book. <laughs> and Connie yeah, Willis, it's thumbs anybody, up. it's mm-hmm. so lighthearted, so yeah, fun. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, next up, ooh, we're back to India. Sing <laughs> Something him. else that's fun. <laughs> Yay. That's yes. what we need. Sing him. Action yep. adventure movie, Sing him, played by Ajay Devgan, who was our um, Othello in Omkara. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, Excellent. but here he is Singham, which means lion, mm-hmm. and he is a he's a righteous cop. Are you telling me there's no cons in this? 
No cons in this one. No cons. I think cons. you can handle it, though. Okay. I think you're ready for I, I it, Scott. I think I'm prepared for a non-con Indian movie. I think so. This is the movie that taught us about the tight slap. <laughs> Which is something I use often in management. <laughs> 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 Only if you run into people who, well, no way. He does use it on his subordinates occasionally. So, you know, I want you to take notes and get ready for Justice Singham style. All right. I love it. Oh, my gosh. This is such an amazing movie. Everybody should be watching this movie. Oh, fun. And All we right. have some very interesting things to talk about, believe it or not. Very good. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Okay. All right. Well, thanks okay. for listening, everybody. <laughs> yeah, thanks. We'll talk to you again soon. Stay safe out there. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> bye-bye.